What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine Podcast. This is episode 38. I'm your host, Riley. This week, we got a little bit of a recap of the Valspar Championship. I didn't catch a lot of it. I was I watched earlier in the week. I was watching Max when he was just rolling in every single putt that he looked at. But I didn't really catch the end. I was on a camping trip, actually, with uh, my girlfriend and the dog. We were camping, bringing him on his uh, first camping trip. Loved it, which was pretty cool. But that's where I was over the weekend. I was in the woods, and then I came back early afternoon on Sunday. So I catched a little bit of it. At the end, but obviously Burnsy was pretty in control for the majority of the back nine after Keegan kind of didn't play his best golf in the back nine, which made it not super uh, entertaining down the stretch. But Sam Burns gets his first win, so that's always great to see a, you know, not a no-name guy. He's been on leaderboards for the past, what, four or five months? But it's always it's always great to watch a first time winner because the emotions come over you and it's just a really awesome thing. You work your life to get to that goal, and he did, and it was and uh, he has the game for it. I mean, he's long off the tee, he's a fantastic ball striker. He can roll it when he gets hot, so it's no surprise that he won. But we're gonna cover that. We're gonna cover the other guys that kind of made a run: Keegan Bradley, Victor Hovland. Obviously, we're gonna talk about our guy Max. Go over the bets that we had for the week. We didn't have a great week. We only hit a couple, two out of the seven bets, which is not great. We missed two of them by like a lot. And then the other three were just borderline, which sucks. We were on the verge. Even if we just hit one more bet, we were going to have a pretty damn good week. But not great. Good thing is, though, we were up, what, over two units the last couple weeks. So it brings us down. I think we're right around even for the last three weeks, which obviously isn't where we want to be. We want to be winning some money, but the Wells Fargo which is the tournament happening this week at Quail Hollow, is loaded and has some pretty damn good value lower down on the board. They're finally giving Max some respect. Obviously, that comes with being the quote-unquote defending champion. This event didn't happen last year because of COVID, but he does enter the week as a defending champion, so he gets a little respect. He's up to plus 3,500 to win, which he was at, what, plus 7,000 to win last week. So the Wells Fargo is always, 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 always one of my favorite events of the year. The golf course Quail Hollow is one of my favorite golf courses that they play all season long. It was the host of the uh, 2017 PGA Championship when Justin Thomas won his only major, which is still crazy to say that JT only has one major. I don't know if that gets talked about enough, but he is the betting favorite coming into the week. It just all lines up for him. He's incredible form. He's playing really good golf. He's won at this golf tournament or golf course before he just took over the lead in the FedEx cup standings. The kid is just there in my argument. If I was to argue it, he is the best player in the world when he's on his game. No one can beat Justin Thomas's a game. I don't think. And he rightfully is the betting favorite. I think he's at plus 900. So we're going to do the full, full preview of the Wells Fargo. But before we get into the Valspar, I just wanted to go – there's not really any headlines I want to go over. So just kind of some Twilight Nine stuff to go over. First, if you guys are listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever, video podcasts are back. We took like a three-week hiatus from doing the video podcast pretty much only because my other shit that I got going on was taking up way too much time and I couldn't edit the video. But we're back. So if you guys are watching on YouTube, Hello. So that's coming back. That's going to obviously be a weekly video that comes out Tuesday morning when the podcast launches. Then, finally, I've been kind of saying it's been coming for the last couple months or two, but the instructional series is starting this week. Um, I'm filming a little bit of a video later tonight about what that's going to be like. That's pretty much it. 
instructional series is going to be coming out hopefully weekly. It's going to be, I don't want to say simple tips because they're definitely not band-aid things, but a lot of the instructional content on YouTube is stuff that teachers, coaches go over and some of it's great. Some of it is stuff that you can take immediately to the range and practice that. Some of the instruction is crazy detailed. And if you don't have a coach going over that information with you, it's very hard to take all that in, go to the range and do it, right? You need a coach for some of that shit. So what this Twilight Nine instructional series is going to be about is I hate Band-Aids is not what it is. It's not something that you're going to implement. It's going to help you for five minutes. And then when you forget how to do it, it's not going to help you anymore. But it's going to be easily digestible stuff that you can then go to your backyard, to your net, to the driving range, to the course that you can that you can implement in your game and hopefully see some improvement. It's going to be the first video right now. We're going to be covering grip, how to grip a golf club, where if you hit a certain shot shape, how we can fix that, right? A five, 10 minute video on that. That's something that it's going to feel really weird at first. A grip change is one of the weirdest feeling things you can change in your golf swing. But that is something that you can immediately look down in your hand saying, okay, that's different. Maybe this will change something and that help that, right? It's going to be stuff like that. Simple drills that you just that you perform not even thinking about the swing change, but because something is there forces you to do something and then all of a sudden you're hitting the ball better. So it's just going to be very easily digestible. If you guys don't know or are new to the show, I have worked under Adam Bazalget for the last six to eight months. Um, he has a Scratch Golf Academy membership program, and I'm one of the coaches that goes through those swings and dissects them and teaches them, right? So I've learned from him. I produce a podcast called the Golf Fanatics Podcast that is hosted by Andrew Rice, another top 100 instructor in America down in, I think he lives down in South Carolina. So I talk to him on a weekly basis, more than once a week. He's criticized, he's taught me a little bit, right? So I have all that information. I've talked to Max Homa's coach on that podcast. We just had David Ledbetter on that podcast. So I've been in the room with the best minds in golf, picking their brains about pretty much everything. So it's great to have those kind of resources, but it's one of those things where I've kind of gathered everything and tried to put together a list of videos that we're going to make over the next year, two years that are very easily digestible, easy things that you can go practice and without a coach mentoring you and looking at your swing that you can maybe videotape it and see it. So I'm very excited. It's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be coming out on the Twilight Nine um, YouTube channel, but then it's also going to be distributed by um, golfficity.com. There's going to be an article out every time it goes out, whatever. It's going to be on there. Uh, Garmin was nice enough to send me a G80, which is their little launch monitor GPS little device. So with that thing, I'm going to be able to teach course management stuff. So that's going to be really cool. Being able to teach you guys how to play, how to really play golf. Cause that is one of the things that really gets overlooked when people are trying to get better at golf. They focus on putting, chipping, swing as you should, you should focus on those things. You should practice those things. But when it really comes down to it and Max said it actually before he won the Wells Fargo is you get to a point where you learn how to play golf, hit certain spots, be aggressive this hole, be conservative this hole. Let's just make par on a long par four, right? Don't try to go with flags at certain spots. Take out the flag on the green and just get it to the middle of the green when the green's small because your putt's only going to be 30 feet no matter what the direction is. Stay below the hole. Those are the kind of videos that I love to make because those are exactly, you can implement those exactly into your game. 
next round you play, you can start thinking like that. So that little G80 is going to be nice because it's going to give yardage to bunkers and all that kind of stuff. So I can really teach you guys through the golf hole. So that's going to be cool. So that's another thing with the instructional stuff. Um, like I said, I'm looking at my notes. Like I said, video co- podcasts are back. That's awesome. And then a hopefully weekly again. So we're going to be looking to release like three videos a week on the YouTube. I think, uh, obviously Tuesday's the podcast. I don't know when the instructional content is going to come out yet. And then maybe one of the days on the weekends, we're going to just be doing a twilight nine video, right? I'm going to go film play nine holes. It's going to be cool. I don't know if I'm going to do a shot by shot yet. I don't know if that's how I'm going to film it. Obviously I know, um, Eric Lang, if you guys don't know him, he films in a little bit different in a way. It's not a shot for shot thing. It's kind of just taking in the whole vibe of the round that you're playing and just walking down the fairway, hit a couple shots, talk about golf, that kind of stuff. I'm probably going to blend it to a little bit, but that's going to be coming out hopefully weekly starting this week or next week. So the YouTube's about to be loaded with stuff and we're really looking forward to that, loading up the YouTube for you guys. So that's going to be fun, but be on the lookout for that. Um, I might actually drop the little intro video today, depending on if I have time to do it. If not, it's going to drop probably Wednesday, just a, another little spiel about the instructional series. And then last note on that, Random Golf Club is actually going to be the, I don't want to say clothing sponsor, but I'm going to be wearing all their stuff in the video. And I think it's going to become come with a little promo code for you guys to get like 20% off or something at their store. Random Golf Club has really awesome fucking shit. So that's going to be really cool for you guys as well. But that's what's happening on the Twilight Nine front. That's it for headlines, news, if you want to call it that. But that's how we got. So let's get into the Valspar. Again, Sam Burns, 24 years old, gets his first win on tour. And like I said at the top of the show, this was a great venue to get your first PGA Tour win. I just chose the wrong one, right? I had Scotty Scheffler as one of my potential winners. He did top 30, but he didn't win the golf tournament. He's still looking for his first PGA Tour win. I just picked the wrong one. And a little bit of a miss on my part. This guy has been on leaderboards all year long. Um, he had a top five at the Zurich a couple weeks ago at the team event. So again, another high finish for him. And he's been in the mix several times. Top 10s at the Safeway. Top 10 at the Houston Open. Top 20 at the Farmers. Then at the Genesis on Sunday, it was hers, it was his tournament to lose pretty much. And then he lost it, right? Homa came from behind, ended up winning in a playoff against Tony Finau on the second playoff hole on that par three. So, and after the round, he did say that experience at the Genesis, although it did not go his way, was big for him. On the PGA Tour, you need to learn what the feeling is like coming down the stretch on a back nine on Sunday and what it really takes to win. And for a first-time PGA Tour winner, it's not a lot of times that you see a guy just come in and is like third or fourth event and just win the golf tournament. Usually it takes an experience like this one where you get close and lose to really get you over the hump of, oh, that's what that feels like. Now when I'm in that position again, I know that I can conquer it and win the golf tournament. And that's exactly what happened to him. And that's what he mentioned in his post-round interview. And it was really awesome. I love first-time winners. It's really, really cool. He ended up placing third at the Genesis, and then he struggled for a bit. He missed three cuts in a row at the Arnold Palmer, the Players, and the Valero Texas Open. And then he bounced back with the top 40 at the RBC Heritage. Again, like I said, he had a top five at the Zurich, and now a win. So he's training in the right direction, ended up shooting three under 68, win by four. And that's because this man, Keegan Bradley, he was in the mix yet again. I think he was, I think, tied for the lead going into the final round with Burns. I think they were both at, what, 14 under? Something like that. Ended up finishing solo second. 
He had the lead for a bit on the front nine, and then he played a great front nine overall. He was three under on the front, and then he doubled 13, bogeyed 15, shot a plus three on the back, didn't birdie a hole coming in, finished solo second. He was third in strokes gained approach, which is no surprise. Keegan Bradley is always a really good iron player, really good ball striker. He's yet again inside the top 10 this season on tour in strokes gained approach. But the only thing about Keegan, which kills me to say, because he's from the New England area, I forget if Massachusetts or Connecticut, I forget the state, maybe even Rhode Island. So from where I'm from, but it's so fucking hard to watch that man play golf. First of all, he's just boring, all that kind of stuff that comes along with it. But he also plays like a turtle. I don't know if his name gets brought up enough when it comes to slow play. But I was catching a couple of the highlights, and he had a lob wedge on the back nine that I think he spent half an hour analyzing how far it was. I mean, what is it, 100 yards? You need that much time to calculate a fucking 100-yard golf shot. And so it's kind of – and he ended up not even hitting that. He had a lob wedge like 30 feet. Like if you're going to take that much time, fucking stuff it. I don't want to see you hit it to 30 feet after you just took 25 minutes to analyze the situation you were in when you're holding a 56-degree wedge. I hate that shit. Very unwatchable. But still – I mean, he's very good at golf. He's having a he's having a really, really, really good year. I don't know. Is it him that hasn't finished outside the top 30 in his like last six starts or something like that? He's playing really good golf. So Keegan Bradley solo second. Victor Hovland was up there. T3. Final round 65 for the kid. Unbelievable. He's getting that little bit of like the Justin Thomas trait, right? Where you make the cut on the number. Even though Victor Hovland did play pretty good golf all week, I think he shot like 69, 68, or 69, and then a 65 or something of that combination. But he's getting that little bit of like a Justin Thomas trait where you make the cut on the number or like buy one shot, and then you shoot like a Saturday or Sunday round that's like the lowest round of the week by anybody in the field, and then you just kind of back to our top 10. It seems like Victor Hovland does that all the time. I think he did it. Was it last year at the Travelers when DJ won? He kind of did the same thing. So he's getting that little bit of a trait, which I love because Victor Hovland is electric to watch. He's a fantastic ball striker. He struggles on the greens a little bit, but short game is getting a lot better since he really struggled when he won down in what was that, Puerto Rico. He said, yeah, I just suck at chipping. He does suck at or he did suck at chipping. His short game is getting a lot better. But he's a really fun guy to watch. So he shot final round again, 65 for the kid, T3. And then our guy, to wrap up the Valspar Championship recap, our guy. Max, he was in the thing to the very end. Early on Saturday, I think he came out and birdied his first hole, tied for the lead. Very first couple days, Thursday and Friday, his putter was unconscious. He made everything, 40-footers, 50-footers, 30-footers. He made everything. He holed out for eagle. He was just doing everything right. And then heading into the final round, he just didn't have it on Sunday. I think he tweeted after the round that just it, he felt like there was just a lid on the hole. Couldn't make anything on Sunday. Ended up shooting, I think, like plus two or plus three and finishing T6. So he's obviously going to be back at the Wells Fargo Championship this week. He's the defending champion. So I think he's in for a really good week. Obviously, when we get to the betting section, his name is going to come up again because we always bet on our guys. And for the week, he was 11th strokes in approach, which is big. Wells Fargo Championship, you need to be a good iron player to win there. So I think that's going to be really big. Again, recap of the bets real quick. Uh, top 30, Charlie Hoffman, we hit that. He top 20, T18, plus 135. Uh, top 10, Patrick Reed, did not go well. He missed the cut. Just played two like very eh rounds of golf. I think it was even par, missed the cut. This one hurts. <laughs> top 20, Paul Casey, we missed that one. He was T21, so that sucks. Uh, we had Corey Connors, top 10. That missed at T, he was T21. So another guy with uh, Paul Casey in that section. 
Scotty Scheffler was in the top 20 pretty much all week, and then he shot a final round plus three and missed that for T29. That sucks. If he just shot even par in the final round, we would have hit that bet. And then another one that we missed badly, top 20, Russell Henley, miscut. And then we ended up hitting, last one real quick, hitting obviously max top 30 for a plus 190. So only hit a couple of the bets this week. Uh, I'm going to try to do a little bit. I'm not saying that I'm blaming it on that just because I liked Henley and Reed coming into the week. But what I got to get used to doing is not filling the bet sheet if I don't like love the bet. Sometimes I feel like to just provide you guys with a couple more bets, I kind of just fill them with something that I think might be okay. Uh, but I think I might start limiting it to like four or five, the ones that I feel really, really comfortable with. Like that's not an excuse for this week. I felt good about all five that we missed. I felt really good about them. But again, I'm going to try to limit them to the ones that like I love, love to see if we can uh, get a little bit more on the green side that we already are this season. But that's all we got for the Valspar. A little Boston Lager for the podcast this week. Um, let's get into the Wells Fargo. Let's do it. Full breakdown, betting analysis. Let's get into it. So, missed it last year. Like I said, this venue, this golf course, one of my favorites that they stop at all year long. Love this place. Green Mile to end it. Impossible fucking finish. Huge par fours. Huge par five. Crazy. Both our guys in the field. Rory's back, which we're going to talk about him last in the betting segment because... I know he is not playing very good golf right now, but he's my guy, and he's going to be going on the card, betting with the betting with the heart a little bit. Hasn't made a start since missing, at the, uh, missing the cut, the Masters. And again, like I said earlier, Max is back, fresh off a top 10, and will turn this week as the defending champion. So let's take a look at the rest of the field. I already mentioned his name. New FedEx Cup leader Justin Thomas is returning to a course where he, excuse me, has won before. He won the 2017 PGA Championship, and he is as he should be, the betting favorite at plus 900. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is here, so that sucks. Uh, new father John Rahm is back with other big names, including Xander Shoffley, who's going to be a name to watch, Webb Simpton, Victor Hovland, Patrick Reed, Jason Day, and Willie Z is back. I think his last start was the RBC Heritage, so good to have Zalatoris back. I think in the meantime between his last start and now, I think he bought a house and got engaged to his girlfriend. So congratulations to William. That's a... Uh, you know, you just win a fuck ton of money at the Masters and then make the cut at the RBC, make a little chunk of change, get engaged to your girlfriend, buy a house. That's how you do it. Golf course, Quail Hollow. Par 71, it's a monster. 7,500 yards. It's not a surprise that this place hosts major championships. It's a fucking beautiful golf course, and it's long as hell. It got an upgrade from Todd Fazio back in 2017 before the PGA, so it's even more beautiful than it was. And we got Bermuda Greens. The weather looks fucking perfect. Thursday, 73, sunny, 10-mile-an-hour winds, 11% chance of rain, pretty much nothing. Friday, 73, sunny, 3% chance of rain, 12-mile-an-hour winds, really fucking good day to play golf. Saturday, 77, partly cloudy, 1% chance of rain, 9-mile-an-hour winds. And then Sunday, 84, hottest day of the week, partly cloudy, 5% chance of rain, and 15-mile-an-hour winds. So for the tournament days, it's not looking like rain, but the days before, Wednesday, Tuesday, both have chances of thunderstorms. I think tomorrow or the day that you guys are listening to this, today, I think it's going to rain in Charlotte. And then Wednesday, it might even rain again. So if the course gets wet, who does that favor? Uh, Rory. But we're not going to get into that. That's it. We're not going to get into it. I just think that that favors Rory. Anyway, that's the weather. It looks pretty freaking good. The gorgeous weather in Charlotte this week. So we're looking forward to that. Key stats. 
Uh, I mentioned to you guys pretty much every week the uh, variance calculator, if you want to call it that, that Data Golf gives you uh, everybody. And this place is really nothing special. 36% at Quail Hollow in putting compared to 37% event tour average. It's a little higher in around the green. It's a like half a percent higher in approach play and like 0.3% higher in off the tee. So it's a very, very average golf course when you think about what strokes gain category goes to winning this event. But as this course is over 7,500 yards and only a par 71, distance will always help here. The leaderboard in 2019 didn't really show that. I mean, Duffner was at the top. Uh, Max Homa was tied with Joel Damon heading into the final round, who kind of hits it a little bit like a grandma. So leaderboards can be a little deceptive, but in this account, if we're going to get rain in the first couple of days, which makes the golf course play even longer, I'm definitely going to take driving distance into account this week. Uh, Data Golf took all the players in the field and matched their attributes to the golf course and ranked them to how they'll fit this golf course. And driving distance comes up in this ranking. Number one is Bryson. Number two is Rory. That should show you enough. And then long iron plays is going to be huge. I was looking into stats from 175 to 200 yard approaches, and those are going to be really big this week. There's long par fours. The ability to get to these par fives is a huge advantage. So finding fairways with distance and then your long iron play, excuse me, is huge. Data golf information, course fit. Number one, club day golf Chipotlepec, which what used to be going back to they didn't play it i don't think last year so 2019 was the host of the wgc mexico number two wingfoot golf club the 2020 u.s open venue and number three was trump national doral which used to host i don't think it was called it that at the time i forget what they used to call it but it was the host of the tournament that then went to chapultepec so the wgc mexico i think they had a different name i know tiger won there i think like four times which is obviously no surprise um, I forget where Trump Doral is. I think Miami, maybe it's Florida. I think trending of the players in the field. Number one, little Brian Harmon, last three starts, T5, T12, T13. He's playing some fucking golf. John Rahm is number two, T9, T5, T5. That guy just doesn't lead, leave, excuse me, top tens. He just top tens. I think every time he tees it up, it's crazy. Bryson DeChambeau is number three at T3, T17 and T46. We'd love to see Bryson trending in the wrong direction. Love to see that. Betting odds. Like I said at the top of the show, Justin Thomas is the favorite and should be the favorite at plus 900. John Rahm is at plus 11. Xander Shoffley is plus 14. This is rare, but you can get Roy McIlroy at plus 1,600 at a golf course that he's won at twice. Bryson DeChambeau is also at 1,600. Webb Simpson is at 1,600. Then you get into the 2,000s with Victor Hovland at 2, Corey Connors at 28, Patrick Cantlay at 28, Tony Finau at 28, Abraham Answers at 3, Patrick Cantlay is at, or Patrick Reed, excuse me, is at 3. And then you go further down, Will Alatoris, 3,300. Max Homa is actually plus 4,000. Jason Day, who's won here in 2018, was plus 5,000. Tommy Fleetwood, looking still looking for his first PGA Tour victory, is also at plus 6,000. He might actually be an interesting name to look. I know that I didn't write about him to go over on the show right now, but really good long iron player, is sneaky long off the tee, struggles on the greens a little bit, which you need to put well, obviously, any week to win, but he could be an interesting look, actually. So, we're going to start with the favorite. We're going to start with Justin Thomas. And, like I said at the stop of the show, everything is aligning for Justin Thomas to win again this week. Obviously, he won a couple, what is that, a month ago at the Players. He won here before, 2017. He won at the best course comparison, according to Datagolf. He won the WGC Mexico. 
And he's just in really good form. His last three starts win at the players, T21 at the Masters, and a T13 at the Valspar. Last week in Tampa, talking about the Valspar, JT led the field in strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach, and strokes gained tee to green. But on the greens, he ranks 67th in strokes gained putting. Not good. That's what can kill JT. He does everything else so fucking well. But if that putter just doesn't come to the party, if it doesn't hold putts, he can't get it done. But, I mean, that's pretty much anybody on tour. If they don't make putts, they're not going to win. But it seems like that's the consistent trait from JT. If he putts well, he's going to be in the top 10, top 5, and he's going to come down to Sunday. If he doesn't, he's still going to be in, like, the top 20 and making some noise. But he can't quite catch up with everybody that's putting well. That's when it comes down to JT. And it just everything's pointing to him this week. We'll just have to see if that Scotty cooperates. We don't know yet. And then before I get into this, I think you guys already know, but just a little bit of a warning. Both my guys are going to be on the card. We're going to do Roy at the end, but we're going to do Max now. You guys read my and listen to my Max Homa spiel every single week. He's one of the most consistent players on tour this season. I'm not going to have you sit through everything. But on top of his incredibly consistent play all season long, he added yet another top 10 at the Valspar. Could have easily been a top five if he played well on Sunday and easily could have won it if he played well on Sunday. He was inside the top 20 in both strokes gain approach, 11th, and strokes gain off the tee, 17th down in Tampa. He won the last time they, they played this event back in 2019. He's only become a better golfer since then. He's gone through some struggles, but he is a bona fide top player in the world. And he's more used to that winning feeling. That was his first win on the PGA Tour. Since then, he's been in the mix a lot. He was in the mix at Pebble, at the Valspar, obviously won the Genesis. Like, he is there all the fucking time, it seems. Week in and week out, his name is on the leaderboards. And I think he's only getting more comfortable with winning golf tournaments. And I think this could be a huge week for Max. I think he could definitely make a run. Who knows? Uh, But to state that, no one has won this tournament two playings in a row. It's never been one back-to-back. So Max would be the first back-to-back champion at the Wells Fargo. So we'll see if we can get it done. Uh, I wrote Rory first, but we'll skip him so we can talk about him at the end. Uh, and it's good. Uh, I mentioned his name already. Willie Z. Will's Altors is going back on the card. Uh, long irons are going to be really important. And when it comes to ball striking, no one besides probably Colin Morikawa does a better job at ball striking than Will's Altors. And he's still searching for his first PGA Tour win. He doesn't even have... Um, status on the PGA Tour yet. He's still working on like a temporary exemption from the PGA Tour. Obviously, when you win, you get it locked up. I think he'll lock it up until the end of 2022 if he wins this season, I'm pretty sure. So he's still looking for that. He's still using that as motivation. Obviously, at the Masters, he came in second. And then the RBC Heritage, I actually picked him to win. He looked really good heading into the weekend. And then the weekend, he just ran out of gas, which I get. He's a young kid, not used to that. He competed at the Masters the week before. Like, that's a very, very tough spot to be in. But he has five other top 10 since the start of the new season. So the kid is just unbelievable. He makes virtually every single cut. He's fourth on tour this season in stroke chain approach, eighth tee to green. He's up to 28th in the world and still doesn't have full-time exemption on the PGA Tour, which I just find insane. I feel like whoever's inside the top 50 in the world should just automatically get status, like to a certain date. Like if you're top 50 in the world come like July 1st, you should get exemption the following year. I just, I don't know. They should add a rule to that. There's no reason why Wales Altor shouldn't have status on the PGA Tour. He's been the best player, one of the best players, at least, on tour this season. So that's going to be a guy that's going to be on the card. He, again, if I can bring up DraftKings real quick, 
is sitting at plus 3,000. So if you go over to top 20s, he is plus 110. So he's borderline even money for a top 20. We might hit that. I feel good about him. We might top 10 him. I think this golf course just fits his game really well. He's pretty sneaky long off the tee. He's plus 225. I like that. That's really good value for a kid like Will when ball striking is going to be huge at this golf course. So if we'll see if he ends up where he ends up uh, on the card. Excuse me, come, uh, come Wednesday. And then uh, let's go over another guy real quick that's just been finding leaderboards over the last month and a half. That's Brian Harmon. Mentioned his name earlier. His last four starts. T3, T5, T12, T13. He has decent history at the Wells Fargo. He had a top 25 back in 2019, um, had a T35 back in 2016. He actually is a champion of the Wells Fargo Championship, but it wasn't at Quail Hollow. He actually won it in 2017. I think it was at like Eagle Creek Golf Club or something like that. Uh, They had to move it to a new venue, obviously, because Quail Hollow was hosting the PGA Championship that year. So Brian Harmon is a winner of the Wells Fargo, just not at the course that it's usually played on. So let that waver your decision if you want. His strokes gain numbers aren't impressive at first glance for sure, but he's just soaking. He's like 54th and off the tee or like 56th in strokes gain approach. He's just so consistent in every category that when you get to strokes gain total, he's just 33rd. Incredibly consistent golfer, which I think is huge. Obviously with the rain coming earlier in the week, Quail Hall is going to play longer. It's going to play more like 76 or 7,700 yards probably if it really gets wet down there. Brian Harmon is at a complete disadvantage because he pokes it off the tee. And by poke, I mean literally just like taps it off the tee box. So that's going to be a huge disadvantage. He's an okay long iron player. We're just going to have to see if he can. I don't know if he's going to be on the card yet. He just consistently keeps playing really, really good golf. So I want to put him on the card. But again, with a really long golf course, that's going to be wet. It's tough to put Brian Harmon on that on that uh, on that card. Keegan Bradley. Although I already brought up that I hate watching him play, it's just really hard to ignore the way that Keegan Bradley is going right now, playing. Very, very solid golf. He hasn't finished outside the top 30 since the Genesis, and in that stretch, he has three top 10s. Like, that's just fucking making money and getting it done. On the season, he's seventh in both strokes gained approach and strokes gained TD Green, which, again, at Quail Hollow is going to be big. He doesn't have great history at this event, but he did finish T33 at the PGA in 2017, which, again, was played here. So I like his form a little bit over course history, obviously with – not an extensive success at this golf course. It scares me just a little bit that he's in for kind of like a down week after such a good stretch of golf. But again, if you can get him at a good price, I think he's down there for winning. I think he's like plus, let's see if I can find him super quick. Plus 5,500 to win, which puts him at plus 150 for a top 20. Like, I don't know if that's enough value for Keegan Bradley to top 20. Maybe if he's plus money for a top 30, that's where we'll put Keegan. But as of right now, I'm going to have to think about where I'm going to put him. I've been going back and forth uh, most of the show, most of the time since we dropped the show. I've been doing DraftKings. But more recently, they've not been doing a great job about getting out top 30s and 40s for everybody in the field, which has kind of sucked. But FanDuel does a great job. So I've been going over there. That's where we hit or where I hit the plus 190 for Max Homa last week. They seem to value the top 30s and top 20s a little bit than DraftKings. So we'll have to check there and see if we can get a little bit more money for Keegan. And then the guy that lost us a bunch of money, but then won us some money the last time we saw him was Abraham Answer. And this week we might go right back, uh, right back to him. So he missed the cut at the Genesis. Since then, he hasn't finished outside the top 26. And he's also coming off his second best finish of the season, a solo fifth at the Valspar. 
And every time I talk about Abraham Answer, I don't talk about his strokes gain numbers because they were not going to blow you mind, uh, blow you away. But his other shit is just so consistent. Like he's okay with the putter, but his greens and regulation and fairways and regulation numbers are just so good that he's always just going to be like, he's going to make a fuck ton of cuts. And then when he makes cuts, he's going to be in the top 30 virtually every single week. That's how his game is formatted. He's just so consistent when it comes to accuracy. He's 17th on tour this season in greens and regulation and second in fairways and regulation. I think he's hitting like 74% of fairways, an incredibly high number. So he just keeps everything in front of you. He's just really, really, really consistent. And that kind of player is always going to make a bunch of money on the PGA Tour, and that's what he's been doing. We just need him to win a golf tournament. That's what it comes down to. And he's only played at this golf course one time, and he missed a cut. So this is another scenario where you're going to probably have to – you're going to have to trust recent form over course history. Even though it was only one appearance, he didn't play well, blah, blah, blah. He's definitely a better golfer now than he was when he missed a cut at this golf course. But we'll have to see. Uh, One of our older guys, one of the guys that we used to bet on all the fucking time – uh, Xander Shoffley. It just has to come. Another win for Xander, and I've been saying this all 38 weeks that we've been doing this podcast. Another win for Xander Shoffley just has to come at some point. It just has to. It makes no sense that he hasn't won since the 2019 Tournament of Champions, which is played in January. So he's going a year in four months since he's won a golf tournament. Ridiculous. He's in like a Rory S drought. Rory also hasn't won since 2019. And Xander's going through kind of the same thing. Obviously, Xander's been more consistent when it comes to like top 10 finishes and stuff like that. He's been more in the mix than Rory since his last win, but he just has to get it done. He just has to. He was in the mix on on the Masters and then put it in the drink. I don't know if that was a choke job or just a bad number, but he has this. He was in the mix at the Waste Management Phoenix Open and then just fucking sucked on Sunday with Jordan Spieth. Like he is showing a trend of not being able to get it done on Sunday, very Rory-esque of recent. And another win just has to come at some point. Getting off of that, he's become low-key sneaky long. Like, he's sneaky long. He averages over 305 off the tee, ranking 25th on tour. He's the 25th longest hitter on tour. And when you look at Xander, he doesn't he doesn't scream distance, but he's sneaky long off the tee, which at this event, when it's going to play longer than the scorecard yardage, that's going to come in handy. Strokes gained-wise, he still looks obviously really good. 13th in strokes gained tee degree. Uh, 13th in strokes gained around the green, 10th strokes gained putting, and third in strokes gained total. His off the tee and approach numbers have gone down a little bit. I still think he's inside the top 50 when it comes to strokes gained approach and off the tee, but they've dipped a little bit since the start of the season, but everything else in his game looks really fucking good. Uh, His course history isn't great. He made the cut in 2018 at the Wells Fargo, but he finished near the bottom, I think like tied for 72nd or something like that. And then he missed the cut at the 2017 PGA. But again, He's just such a better golfer now that I put into recent form and who he is now way ahead of his course history, way ahead. So Dander, I think, is in in for a good week. His game is in such a solid spot. This would be a venue that I could definitely picture Xander Shoffley winning. You just need to do everything well to win at this golf tournament, and he does everything well. So it kind of fits. Like at some point, he's going to win this golf tournament, I think. It's just a matter of when, not if. And then the last guy before we talk about Rory for a bit to end the show is going to be Emiliano Grillo, another guy that's just playing really good golf. Three top 20s in his last six starts. Two of those are actually top fives. He had a runner-up with RBC Heritage to highlight that stretch. Last week down in Tampa, he did miss the cut. He missed the cut in Tampa, but he historically shows that missing a cut isn't detrimental to his game, right? Starting at the Farmers, he missed the cut at the Farmers. 
the very next week, he comes back and tied for 70, uh, 22nd, excuse me, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. A couple weeks later, misses the cut at the Genesis. The very next week, T11 at the Puerto Rico Open. Misses the players. Two weeks later, ties for six at the Corrales uh, Club Championship. So the missed cut at the Valspar doesn't scare me because for the last couple months when he misses a cut, he's shown that he can come back a week, two weeks later and just play really high-level golf. Again, this isn't a guy that you're going to go for a top five finish probably, a top 10 finish even. You're going to be looking for that sweet spot down a little bit, top 20, probably top 30 is where I'm going to have him. He's plus 7,000 to win, plus 250 for a top 20. So he's going to be somewhere around plus 130, 135 for a top 30 finish when those odds come out. That's where you have Griot this week. He's going to bounce back. Who knows? Obviously, the Corrales, that T6, is in a great field. Right Again, with the Puerto Rico Open, not a great field when you tee 11, but the waste management was actually loaded this year, and he topped 25 after a miscut. So I'm not too worried about Griot coming off a miscut. I'd be more worried about like the distance factor. Right, He's not a huge hitter, so he's going to have to keep up with everybody. But bouncing back for a cut, that doesn't scare me at all with uh, Emiliano. I don't know why I have a hard time pronouncing his name. It's very easy. And then let's talk about Roy. I miss this feeling, the feeling of making my take talking myself into thinking that he's going to contend this week, make a run at the championship this week. And that just means Roy McIlroy is back. And it's a, it's a good week when you wake up Monday morning and know that our guys teeing it up come Thursday. He's just been so fucking good at this golf course. Uh, from sportsbettingdime.com, they had a stat. McIlroy strokes gained stats in the last 20 rounds at Wells Fargo. First in strokes gained total, first in tee to green, First in ball striking, first off the tee, fourth in approach, 18th in short game, 35th in putting. So again, you don't need to putt fantastic to win, but you can't putt shitty. Rory, notoriously not a great putter, but at this golf course in his last 20 rounds, 35th, that's not bad, right? If you're inside the top 50, you probably have a chance to win the golf tournament. He won this tournament as his first PGA Tour victory back in 2010. He won that tournament by four. He won it in 2015 by seven, setting an 18-hole scoring record, uh, 61. I think that was in the third round. And then 72-hole scoring record, also 21 under. He was the runner-up in 2020, uh, 2012, excuse me, losing in a playoff. And most recently, he uh, was T8 in 2019. He's made... Nine starts at this golf tournament, he's he has seven top tens. It's fucking crazy. That number is crazy. Like when you talk about horses for courses, this might be like the biggest one I look at. Obviously, Tiger at Bay Hill is one thing because he's won that tournament legitimately what, 12 times. But that's crazy. Seven top tens and nine starts is nuts, including two wins, and they were by um a total, <laughs> a total of eleven strokes. That's nuts. But it's hard to uh, ignore the fact that he's struggling right now. He's fallen, which was, uh, it was funny. I saw a uh, tweet that somebody posted that he fell to 15th in the official world golf rankings. And obviously the golf world, golf media, golf Twitter knows that Rory's struggling right now, but it was jarring to see the tweet that said Rory is 15th in the world now. Insane. That's insane. Obviously with a couple good finishes in a row, he'll back, build back in the top 10, but that is, that is jarring to see him that low. He hasn't been that low since 2009 when he was 17th. He missed the cut at the Genesis, missed the cut at the Players, missed the cut at the Masters. Not good. And then in between that, I think was the tournament was the match play where he failed to get out of the group 16. So, or failed to get into the group of 16. So really not good. But the recent fall, Q3 
can can be attributed to probably a lot of things, but if you narrow it down, one, he tried to chase Bryson in the distance race, which it has been debated on pretty much every golf media outlet you can imagine why Roy McIlroy, already one of the longest players on tour, would ever chase Bryson DeChambeau in distance. It makes no sense. You need to be, one, a psychopath, two, a loser. Shout out Bryson. And loser as in whatever. I don't really mean loser. But what I mean is you need to not have a life is what I mean. You need to go down in your basement where all your buddies sit around you when you're hitting in front of a foresight into a net and you're screaming the fucking ball speed coming off of it and fucking drinking 10 milkshakes a day. You need to have that life to try to enter a long drive contest. Rory has a wife, a beautiful young daughter. He doesn't have the extra time to get all his buddies screaming out of his basement trying to pump up 210 ball speed doesn't have the time and i don't know why he would ever try to chase that he thought that's what he needed to do more recently he said i shouldn't have done that which that's correct he shouldn't have done that that's one of the reasons two is he has a brand new coach p cohen he's just trying to simplify the game for rory rory has highlighted on multiple occasions that when something goes wrong in the golf course when his swing doesn't feel right he doesn't know his golf swing enough to fix it on the fly. He just doesn't know it that well. That's what Cohen is coming in to do. Simplifying the golf swing. When you're swinging well, this is what you're feeling. When you're not swinging well, this is how to change that feeling to get you back on track. Rory mid-round can't do that right now. So Cohen's coaching that. And then luckily, P. Cohen is known for wedge play. And Rory is notoriously not good at wedges. As soon as you get inside 120 yards, not great. So hopefully with a couple weeks off, a couple weeks to grind with the new coach, get on the wedge play, get your little old swing back from a couple years ago when you won four times in 2019, I think, or something ridiculous like that. That's what you got to do. So hopefully that's the Roy McIlroy we see. Never going to give up on boy, on my boy. Of course, he's going to be on the card this week. We'll probably bet him top 10. He's not going to be plus odds for a top 20, but he's plus 130 for a top 10. He's top 10 seven out of the nine fucking times he's played this golf tournament. My boy's going to be on the card, and that's it. Always got to ride with the boy. You know what I'm saying? If you guys listen to this podcast, you're probably Roy McIlroy fans too. It's what we do over here. We root and bet on Roy McIlroy. So I can't wait to watch him Thursday. Hopefully he's in featured groups. We haven't watched him in a couple weeks. But yeah, guys, that's it for the show. So look out. It'll probably come out today. When you guys are listening to this Thursday, the video announcing the instructional series will be coming out. So again, I'll kind of just give the same spiel I just gave you guys at the top of the show about like clothing and all that kind of stuff, what it's going to be and all that shit. So be on the lookout for that little video. The first instructional series video should come out sometime later this week. Hopefully we can get in and film our first Twilight Nine round, which will be cool. That'll be another series starting. The YouTube's about to about to be filled with stuff for you guys. Three videos a week should be pretty fun. So we'll have three videos a week plus the podcast. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, Twilight Nine on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. I think it's just Twilight Nine. I don't think I included the podcast. If you want to go subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Twilight Nine Pod. My personal Instagram is at Riley Hamill underscore. If you guys want to follow me on all the social, send in your questions, what you guys want to see content-wise, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, guys, that's it for the show. So enjoy the Wells Fargo. Again, it's one of the best tournaments of the year. The field is pretty freaking good, and the course is gorgeous, so you guys should enjoy it. It's going to be really nice to see some big names out there again. Obviously, JT, our guys, JT, Rory, and Max. Enjoy the golf this weekend, guys, and I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. Peace.